This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Tuesday, December 31st, the last day of 2019. And I have a very special guest today. Stefan Etienne is here with me. Hi, Stefan. How are you? Hi, Miriam. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm really glad you were able to come and join me on a holiday, essentially. I mean, some people have this day off. I think a lot of people do. That's true. So, yeah, um, CS is next week. I'm heading there. Are you going to be at uh, in Vegas? Uh, thankfully not. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of work to go out there. But it is. I appreciate and respect the people that do it every single year because it's it's hell on earth. Yeah, it's a little crazy. I mean, I've done it enough times now that I'm kind of jaded about it. I'm like, yeah, I know what to do. But at the same time, when I'm there, I'm just like so focused and so like in the groove. And then when I'm done, I'm like, holy crap, like I'm exhausted and I need a break. You know, it's like, I really notice it. And it's not getting better as you get older, you know, it's like you're, you're more easily tired and you're just like more easily worn out from walking the millions of miles you gotta walk. Um, I get lots of steps. This is my best, most exercise-friendly week. I think that in Burning Man. I, I get a lot of steps in a Burning Man. Mm, okay. For my job there. Apple Watch is telling you that, right? Um, no, I don't have an Apple Watch. I'm using. Ah. Uh, I'm actually using for that just a Samsung Galaxy Watch, an older one. And okay. I, I have um for night for night for sleeping. I use like a a Huawei, you know, generic uh, tracker of some kind, like a band. band. Yeah, like a fitness band. Because it's gotcha. a little easier to sleep with than a big watch. I have the large Samsung watch, so mm, it's a little bulky. Okay. Gotcha. But, uh, you know, I love the Apple Watch. I think it's a fantastic product. I'm just not a primary iOS user, so I don't always carry an iPhone with me. Fair which, enough. I mean, I suppose I could get a, a 4G Apple Watch. But, you know, honestly, like this is a whole, we could have a whole conversation about this. But the Apple Watch Gen 5 is really the first one I would have considered because it isn't always on screen. Yeah. Like, I can't do a watch that doesn't tell the time if it's just sitting there and doing nothing. That is true. I have a little bit of bars. Like, I, I guess I'm just too old school. Like, I need, I need a device that, that actually just always shows the time. And then yeah. um, the other thing is a square. I'm not a big square watch person. Like, I like round watches, which is why the Galaxy Watch is a little bit more my style. But that's just a personal preference. No, I do agree with you. Uh, most of the time where smart watches were coming about, from Moto 360 onwards, everything that I tested... I despise the square versions and especially I mean, the Apple watch. I, I know why Apple did it. I get it. I think they I, I still think it's the best watch. If you're gonna buy oh, a absolutely. smart watch today, especially if you're in iOS in some way, like in the ecosystem, just yeah, just don't mess around. Like yeah. I think it's a, it's a good choice. I don't wanna knock anyone for having an Apple Watch. Like that's like that's like a be a very hypocritical thing to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh but uh, yeah, I do I do track my steps there. Um the first year I tracked my steps, believe it or not, ever. Uh, CS was with the uh, Microsoft Band. Oh, do you remember, remember that? that? They I gave me a review in it at the beginning of CS, and I, at the time I was using my Pebble still, and that was the Pebble. That, oh, so many old tech words. Well, it was the, the step tracking on the Pebble was, you know, w- within ten percent. Like it wasn't that accurate. So, right. This was the first time that I had a product that was like seemed to be very accurate. So I was like, whoa, let's see it, and then. I was surprised at how many steps I took. It was uh, pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> so CS, what what I, what do you think is going to happen at CS? Let's start with that because well, there's a bunch of topics, but you know. 
bunch of topics. I think it's going to follow the rubric that it follows every year. There's going to be probably 60-70% of these announcements are just going to be incremental stuff. Someone has a new like smart lock, a uh, couple friends. Well, I don't companies. even want to get into the IoT and home automation yeah. space. Unless something yeah. stands out. Like, Don't get me wrong. I think it's a very valid market segment. I have a bunch of automation, home automation devices that I love. But that's not what I go to CS for. I'm like, if I'm starting to get excited about a smart lock, something is wrong in my life. Something is wrong, yeah. (laughs) No, I hear you. I hear you. Those are like the press releases that you have to push through when you're writing. But um, I personally feel like we might see a couple interesting foldable announcements or at least teasers from, you know, a lot of the Asian companies. Because Samsung's not ready. I mean, that stands to reason that they would do that since, you know, we thought 2019 was going to be the year of folding phones, but that didn't really quite happen. I mean, there were a few highlights, right? Like yeah. the Royal at CS last year, which really wasn't that great of a phone, but yeah, it was true. there and it folded and, you know, didn't fit in any pocket. But hey, you got to start somewhere. Yes, um, that one kind of came out of nowhere because the company had no experience making phones. And it certainly felt feels this way with once we got devices to play with. I never actually got a review. And I asked and they said, oh, yeah, we'll get back to you. But yeah, same. Never did. <laughs> you know what? I think it's because their the initial reviews from a few people like Marquez and stuff were really bad. <laughs> so remember the red like, phone. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then and then uh of course we had the fiasco of the the, the fold and uh, Oh my god. And and then we had the razor and the razor has been delayed now and is not um is not uh you know is not available yet. Um right. honestly of all three of them um oh i should say there's also the the huawei mate but that never launched in north america or yeah, anywhere else and, and will never launch in north america <laughs> no well never launch anywhere i mean other than china it honestly having played with all of them uh the the razor's the best um the the feel the, the mechanism feels the most like bulletproof Bullet um the mate is a close second like the mate feels significantly better than the yeah. fold the fold was, um, I, I had a, a generation one prototype fold that was probably my least favorite phone in a long time. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a bad phone per se. Like, I feel like, I feel like I would have enjoyed, like, I never got a Galaxy Fold review in it. So if Samsung, you're listening, I'm still mad at you for that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I asked so many times. Um, but hey, you know what? It's too late now. I, I feel like it's a new year tomorrow. And by the time you're listening to this podcast, it'll be later this, you know, first week of January before CS, but you will not, you know, it's too late. I don't want to deal with it now. It's like, if they send me one now, I'll use it. I'll definitely show you and tell you what I think, but I'm not going to be making a big fuss about it anymore because I wanted to make a big fuss about it in December. Like that was kind of, I, I sent them an email early December, like a last hooray saying like, okay. We've been talking about this. You said you didn't have devices. Can we revisit this? And the the answer was crickets. So I'm like, (laughs) you're already on vacation, I guess. Uh, The normal world out there, I can't understand, Stefan. It's like, like, (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. Like I sent someone an email on Thursday, the 26th, Boxing Day. Now I know that Boxing Day, like I'm Canadian. Boxing Day is a bit of a holiday up there. Right, right. But in in the UK and some other parts, right? Yeah. But I, I just thought, you know, send an email then, maybe get a reply on yeah. Friday. No, nope, we're Friday. out of office. No, I got an, I actually got a reply. I really? got a reply saying, I'm on vacation till Monday. I'll get back to you on Monday. Oh, my and God. And they didn't get back to me on Monday, number yeah. one. Number two, Monday, what, what kind of arbitrary thing is that? Like, you, you're, not fr- you're not working on Friday, but you're working on Monday. And then, <laughs> then Tuesday is a day off again, right? Because two days, two days, Tuesday the 31st. 
Right. And then uh, Wednesday, January 1st is day off. Like, how do people live their lives like that? I don't like, know. I'm why can't you just answer here. my question, like, very quickly and just say, <laughs> uh, this is what I got for you. Like, yeah. Uh, people yeah, I'm work. having very similar issues with Verizon and a couple other companies right now. They're just not in. <laughs> like, I understand work-life balance. Like, I get it. Like, I, I take breaks all the time. Like, I, I've, I've gone sailing in the middle of Wednesday, you know, on a business, on a normal week. Like, I oh, do that's this. beautiful. You know. Uh, it it was special. It was for for for, for my spouse for their birthday. We we, mm. we booked a sailing trip. It was beautiful. But I'm just saying, like, I know how to enjoy life. Okay, I know how to take breaks. You can do this <laughs> without having a regular schedule, folks. It works. Okay, anyway, I could, I could. Although do. most people probably don't take as much pride in our work as you know. <laughs> well, no, I know a lot of nine to fivers that take pride in their work. I just feel that it's really weird to me. It's really weird to disconnect at seven p.m. Or whatever when you get home and not like i don't i don't see how i can do but that we're like, not normal miriam we are connected to the internet 24 7. <laughs> i know I, I almost want a brain implant so i like i get the stuff streamed in my head and i can go like nope nope yep yep nope honestly yep. i'm not gonna lie to you it, it would be a lot easier for me i mean because then i don't have to play catch up like i can instantly make a decision and go like yeah, nope absolutely. i'm not dealing with this oh yeah i'm dealing with that yeah it's just like just being much nicer i don't know um I know, I'm, I'm sure there are people right now that are like running away as we're talking. <laughs> um, but don't run away too far because we have a lot of good stuff. So, see us. Uh, God, I love getting tangents. It's, it's great. That's what the show is <laughs> about. Uh, so, see us. I think for me, we were, we were talking about folding phones. I think we're going to see, there's rumors. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping through topics a bit. The, the, the OnePlus Concept One okay. that we all got invited to get a briefing on and see at CS, right. which is a concept phone that OnePlus sent out a press release for. That's coming to see us. Okay. Uh, we know that's happening. We know that's coming. We're going to go there. Now there are rumors, and this is rumors from the last few days. Uh, I'll, I'll check out the show notes for the link of it being a folding phone, potentially. So, you know, we're talking CS. We're talking potential folding phones for 2020. Um, and, and by the way, we're also talking in the show about what our predictions are for technology in 2020 on phones. Okay. So this is all fits together really nice. Perfect. What do you think? OnePlus folding phone 2020. OnePlus Folding Phone 2020. Or First CS of all, or well, yeah. I, I personally, I appreciate what OnePlus has done in the market these past three years, just really squeezing themselves in to be the de facto entry-level Android phone manufacturer. And you can argue that most of their phones aren't even entry-level. They're mid-high range. Um, yeah, and yeah, for sure. I don't know I, how I like that to call them affordable flagships. Foldable flagships. premium flagships. That's the thing. I don't know how it's going to end up as a foldable First off, we have never seen OnePlus produce a foldable before. Obviously, that's why they're giving us a concept and probably not announcing a full-blown product day one of CES. But I'm I'm a little bit on the edge because they haven't necessarily produced the perfect OnePlus smartphone yet. And for them to jump to the foldable range, which Samsung has had an issue with, every manufacturer has an issue mass-producing foldable phones and getting them to have a hinge design that everyone can agree with and that doesn't fall apart after 10,000 uses, that's what I think the real challenge is. I think OnePlus can design a good phone. I don't know if they can design a good foldable phone. That remains to be seen. Yeah, I think everything you just said is 100% valid. I, I feel like, first of all, I'm not as worried about that because it's a concept. It can be anything. It could that's be like true. an obloid phone with a round screen on top. Like, yeah, an exposed circuitry. Yeah, I we'd get it. All, we'd all be scratching our heads going, what are you doing, OnePlus? I don't think it's 
I don't think it's going to be an impractical phone because BBK Group, which owns Vivo, Oppo, and OnePlus, has been very strong as make, at making concept phones, particularly the Oppo Vivo brand, that became reality, essentially, right? The pop-up camera was on a Vivo prototype. The in-finger, in-display in fingerprint reader was on a Vivo prototype concept that was shown, in fact, at CS like two, three years ago. I remember et cetera, that. et cetera. And like, we've seen this oh, time and time again, like... Um, Oppo had an event in Shenzhen early de December where they showed right after the Qualcomm event in Maui where they showed the uh, the under display camera right. for selfies, right? Right. So we know that based on what BBK has been doing and OnePlus being a part of that, even though they will always say, oh, we're a separate company, you know. I mean, there's a lot of like influence between like technology sharing and definitely between Oppo and OnePlus and I think definitely between Oppo and Vivo. I think there's less exchange between Vivo and OnePlus. But the point is, I think we're going to see a concept that's more realizable. And um, I'm not sure if I buy these folding rumors. If it is a folding phone, honestly, then it's more like a bit more like here's our vision on a folding phone than, you know, uh, than anything else. Because you're right, they still need, ideally, I think they still need to perfect what they're doing already, which is great, but it's yeah. not perfect. It's not perfect. And I mean, no phone is perfect. Like Galaxy S10 Plus, you know, is everything but the kitchen sink, but then they remove the headphone jack. Like, yeah. honestly, I think that I'm not a big Samsung person and I'm not a big fan of their software, but I have, to, you Same. know, if, if you listen to the show last week where I picked the Galaxy S, uh, sorry, Note 10 Plus as my like third, I think, runner up with the Pixel 4. I feel like that's the phone of the future when you hold it. Like it's so, you know, the bezels are so thin. It's so full screen with that pull punch in the middle yeah. and, and the that thin design. So bright like and if contrasty. this ran Pixel software and had a headphone jack, it might be the perfect phone. You that's know what I'm true. saying? Think about it. Micro SD. I mean, that's uh, always what I've wireless charging. I think OnePlus is going to give us wireless charging. It's, they're waiting for it to be 20 or 30 watt. I really think so. I, I have a feeling they're like really stuck on this weird brain thing where they're like, we want, we want fast charging no matter what you do, right? right. Um, water resistance, uh, I think they have it essentially on their phones right. because we've seen, like if you see a, you know, uh, Zach at uh, J-Rate, everything's take apart the phones. There's like gaskets and everything. Right. I think and they just the don't want to pay for the certification. Right. And then... Um, you know, headphone jacks are coming back on flagships. We all know that. So oh, well. my point is that to me, the only other thing I can see OnePlus improving at this point is, you know, an under-display camera in the front. It should be another uh, feat so to pull no off. No moving part. What's that? It would be another feat to pull off. I mean, no. I, again, Oppo shown it. So the BBK group has it. So it's just a matter if it's on a concept, like, no problem. They could do that in a heartbeat. But I think what I'd like to see is, you know, for me, the reason the OnePlus phones kind of feel incomplete is because the camera is still not up to standard, right? Like if you yeah. compare it to an iPhone or a Pixel or even a Note 10, which, you know, has a whole very old camera hardware today. Um, it it's still not quite there with the OnePlus. So, so if I were to see, like my ideal concept for OnePlus would be what they've done so far with a few little embellishments, like the yeah. under display camera sensor and, the, and maybe, uh, you know, some like cooler screen design. What that, sort of that, an orientation of foldable phone do you think it will be? Will it be a clamshell? So, like so if Razor, it is a folding phone, be... which I, f you know, okay, so here's a, I'm not buying this folding phone rumor. I feel like that's, 
that's out that's in that definitely fits the concept phone moniker but it doesn't fix fit the bbk concept phone like in the sense that you know they've always shown phones that are they're going to be launching three months later that, mm. you know the the stuff they've shown always in display fingerprint pop-up camera under display camera and others other concepts have come out basically like shortly after so that's what I'm hoping we're going to see. In that sense, I don't feel a folding is ready, especially for OnePlus, who nobody in the nobody in the BBK group has shown expertise in that. So, and, and we know how it went for the others this year, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> not yeah, so well. That's, that's so I think yeah. I think that I'm I could eat my words, and it might they might blow us away with a concept phone, but uh, I mean a folding concept phone. But what what the, what would that bring to the table? Like we've seen all the form factors now, right? Like yeah. inside folding, outside folding, outside folding, and then we've got the razor like, style. We could have yeah. the razor style that's outside folding, but outside folding, I think, only worked for the Mate X because it solved the problem that the Galaxy Fold had, which was it couldn't fold flat. It couldn't and fold so, flat. Yeah. So to get the radius to be the right radius, uh, Huawei is like, haha. And also, I like the fact that when it's closed, I've handled it. The Huawei. Made X is a feels amazing in hand, either folded or unfolded, because when it's folded, it feels like a normal phone. It's right. just the same thickness as a normal phone, right. just the back part of the display is turned off, and the front is just a normal phone. But when you unfold it, you know that part where the cameras are and the the USB C charging port, the thicker part is like a handle. It's like a grip, like yeah. it's like a camera grip. So Which you feel great. like very secure. Kind of it. like that chin on the razor. I like how that's Correct. like a nice I like bit the of, chin. I think yeah. that, you know, even though per se, I don't like the chin, I feel that it's both a nod to the original razor. And also, as you said, it, it lets you hold it safely without it tipping out of your hand. Absolutely. So ergonomics are really important. And so I feel like the May was a great design, but I also know that and we all agree that, you know, it makes the screen really scratch prone. So I don't think we're going to see an outside folding razor style design, but I could see OnePlus, you know, doing, if they're doing a folding fold, maybe doing something like what Xiaomi did, where there's two folding points or, you know, I don't know, but I don't think that's what it's going to be. I think we're going to get a preview of what the maybe the eight, the one plus eight T is going to be like the next generation after the one that's coming, hmm. and the one that's coming, I'm pretty sure is pretty much fully baked by now. Yeah, the and eight, hopefully right? has wireless charging. Nah, I don't think so. Unless Damn. they can do twenty <laughs> watt, I don't think it's going to happen yet. Um, I wanted to. I'm with you, but. I think the OnePlus 8 is going to come in three flavors. It's very clear there's going to be like a, a light or whatever, a small baby yeah. version and a regular and a pro. And that's, I think, the way things are going. Whether we'll get all of those in the US, I don't know. Right. Um, I think the rule of thumb, and tell me what you think of this, is that in the US, we're not going to get the cheaper phones usually oh, because never. nobody buys phones yeah. that are mid-range or cheap. I mean, unless you're prepaid and then you buy really cheap. And it's yeah. crap. Yeah, exactly. But, like, there's no middle you, ground here. Well, I mean, there's the Moto E and Moto G that are kind of okay, but I'm just saying, like, even the Moto E is is rarely seen prepaid. Like, you That's have to true. go lower than that for prepaid, yeah. which is sad. Um, and then you know the the high end is where people are at because they don't care because it's a monthly payment. So if you walk into a T-Mobile store and you buy a OnePlus, you don't care that the OnePlus is three hundred dollars less than the iPhone. Like 
you're buying the phone because you're going to have an installment. And I mean, I think this is what most people do. I personally care that the phone is cheaper. I personally would prefer buying it yeah. full price. But Yeah, I always buy full price. So I think the 8 we're gonna, when we're getting is going to be the Pro or maybe the mid-range and the Pro, but we're not going to see the light. I think that's more for India and other markets that are much more price sensitive. And I don't think the difference between the three phones is going to be as drastic as we think. I would hope so, not. Yeah, so OnePlus folding phone, I'm... Th- Leaning, like, I'd say a 40% yes, 60% no right now on that for CS, uh, for that concept. And I'm leaning more towards a 60% being a, a preview of the 8T of what's coming in the fall next year. Uh, I'm versus, 50-50. I feel yeah, like they'll, they'll do a preview of the phone that's coming out in the fall, and their one more thing will be a foldable concept. So you think they're just going to have two things? I think they're going to have Because remember, things. it's not a press conference. We're just, no, I know. It's just like just going to show it, and there's going to be a briefing for a lot of people, right? Yeah. Um, so that's the news on the OnePlus front. What else do you think? So we talked about folding phones, and definitely we're going to see more folding phones this year in 2020, right? Right. So what about Oppo's Reno3? So we might have the world's thinnest 5G phone, which is another hurdle that we're going to have to overcome. I mean, that's and- that's a given. That's out now. We know what's coming. Um, that was announced during the holidays. Um, let's quickly go through the specs. So there's two models. There's a an Oppo Reno3 and an Oppo Reno3 Pro, of course. Right. And honestly, I mean, look, I have a Reno2 and a Reno2Z here. Okay. Uh, they're very, very, they're very similar. Well, I like them. They're very similar, except the Z is MediaTek P90, and the two is the two non-Z is uh, is a Qualcomm Snapdragon 730G, which is a pretty awesome chip, by the way. We don't get a lot of phones in the US with a 700 series. I've had uh, a couple of Chinese phones now uh, with seven series, the 710 and the 730, 730G in particular, and. Honestly, they feel just like 800 series Snapdragons. They're really fast good, and good. they're a little more affordable. And the 730G is a gaming centric phone. So the, the, the Reno series, I never played with the, uh, the 10X Zoom version, okay. uh, but I did play with a lot of the other ones. Uh, the original Reno Z, then the Reno 2, then the Reno 2Z. I never okay. played with the original Reno. Right. But the 3 is, is announced now. And the 3, it's amazing because in one year, they went through three iterations. Right. The Reno originals were announced either late 2018 or early 2019 last year. Then the second gen was announced shortly thereafter, like June or May. Right. Or maybe, no, actually, I think they were announced in August because yeah. they launched in September. Anyway, and now they're giving us version three. And so the version two already, all of them, well, at least the two and two Z had quad cameras in the back. Right. Um, and so it's interesting how they did their quad cameras. I don't know if you're aware of this, Stefan. But the two, the Reno two, the one with Snapdragon 730G, had uh, the three lenses you'd expect, like a 48 megapixel okay. Sony IMX586 main lens, then it had a a uh, ultra wide and a and a tele traditional right? setup, so right? And then the fourth lens, you know, on the Honor uh, tw- 20 Pro, that was a that was a macro lens. This is actually a monochrome lens, a back mm. a black and white, uh, two megapixels only. It's not usable by the end user. You can't select it in the in the menus in anywhere. Oh, but it, so it is it's it is. Trick. But it, get this: this is the thing. Here's the, you're not going to know immediately what it's for when I tell you the next bit. The pixel size on the pixels is one point seven five microns. That's crazy, right? Right. You get it now. This is totally like an, a dynamic range slash low light enhancement camera. So basically, it's just giving the 
ISP extra data. And it pays. Like these phones take great photos. Now the the Z version, the P, the P90 MediaTek version of the phone drops the telephoto and replaces it with a two megapixel depth sensor, basically just for okay. portraits. All righty. So it's a little cheaper. It's $20 cheaper. Like those phones are <laughs> so, if you look at them side by side, you're like, which one's which? Like uh, yeah. they both have pop-up cameras. One has a uh, one, is, one is shark fin, you know, and the other one is like a regular square pop-up. Yeah. That's how you can tell them apart a bit. But the back looks identical. The, you know, the chassis is pretty much the same. Anyway, so the three are the same. The three and three pro are similar to that. They look and feel the same. The big difference is the three regular has a teardrop notch and the three pro has a punch hole and like a waterfall display Hmm. and that's a big difference the uh the three pro has four cameras that are exactly like the three cameras you'd expect a a main sensor a telephoto and a wide angle and then the fourth one is that black and white sensor and then the three non-pro replaces the telephoto you guessed it with a depth camera so it's very similar to this uh to what i just described for the two and two z i like Uh, this strategy yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I like losing a telephoto, though. I mean, how much cheaper is, is it to put a portrait lens versus a telephoto at that point? But think of it like this. Would you rather take better, more consistent photos across the range, or would you rather have a telephoto that's kind of iffy? Yeah, you're right. I mean, that that's... Um, I want to say, hello, OnePlus, are you listening? Because <laughs> the 7T oh telephoto is like that. It's just not that great. Yeah. Um, but the 7 Pro telephoto is all right. Yeah, uh, because decent. it has OIS and the 70 doesn't. That's basically the thing. Uh, finally. Uh, I remember. So, that, that was the first one where they added OIS, isn't it? Uh, no. Um, they had OIS on the OnePlus 3. Uh, so the OnePlus 5 dropped the OIS. The 6 didn't have it either. The 7... Oh, actually, wait. I think it came back with the 6 and 6T. Then the 7... Definitely the 70. Definitely the 70 had it. And the 7 and the 7T Pro and the 7 Pro had it on yeah. the main lens. Yeah. But the 70 did not have... OIS on the tele, but the pros, both of the pros, the 770 Pro have OIS on the tele. So the interesting thing about those (laughs) Reno phones, by the way, the Reno 2 series I just mentioned, they don't have OIS on the tele. Hmm, Uh, Well, and and this one, I'm not sure if the 3 Pro has it. Uh, I'm looking at the specs right now. So here's what's interesting about it, just so you know. This is kind of crazy. So it's a thinnest 5G phone. You're right right about that. Yeah. That's the big big claim to fame. 4,000 milliamp hour battery on both of them. 30 watt rapid Vuk charging, pretty nice. Love it. Um, the the baby one, the the three that doesn't have the telephoto, is uh, has a Dimensity One Thousand chip, which is uh, MediaTek's five G integrated SoC. Okay. And it has a six point four inch AMOLED display within display fingerprint sensor with a thirty two megapixel teardrop camera. Okay. It has, however, in the back, the main sensor is a sixty four megapixel, probably Samsung's. Um, and then, you know, the other part cameras I mentioned with no tele and the, right. uh, the four cameras. But then the Pro steps it up a notch to a Snapdragon 6, 765G. Again, the 7 series. This like is the built-in 5G version that was announced in Maui with a f- 6.5-inch, a slightly bigger display that does have a hole punch, 32 megapixel. Don't Selfie, forget that 90 hertz thing. refresh rate. Has a 90 hertz, so that's exciting. Mm. 90 hertz refresh. But what I'm excited about is that they're talking that the main camera has a new 48 megapixel sensor, which might be the Sony IMX586 replacement from Sony, the, the newer version. The newer, newer that one. That okay. probably is even better. With the 1.7 apart here. 
And it has OIS, which the other one doesn't seem to have on its 64 megapixel. And then, of course, telephoto, ultra, and all that. And headphone jacks are present on these, like the Reno 2, hmm. which is great. Like, honestly, this is the thing. Like, I don't like the software on these Oppo phones, like, but if you skin it and put your own like, you know, launcher and, and, and keyboard, you're totally fine, right? right? The thing, though, is that this is like the consistent thing. Like Some of these Chinese phones that I've gotten my hands on, which were international version, which had Google Play services and all that usual like Google Googliness, are great. But then you know, you're dealing with the software being kind of, uh, and then the updates, because at the price, these phones are like $500 phones, right? Yeah, like they're, they should be worth they're, something. They're really nice. And, and, I, and, and you know, if you want to go even cheaper, like Xiaomi, if you heard my top five last week, Xiaomi's uh, Mi 90 Pro, aka the Redmi K20 Pro, I mean, 290 whatever dollars for yeah. a Snapdragon 855 with a triple lens camera on the back. That thing slays. It doesn't have OIS on any of the lenses in the back. But I, I was amazed, Stefan, at how good the pictures were on that phone for the money. Like, Xiaomi knows how to make a decent camera these days. I'm really surprised. And of course, Sony IMX586, 48 megapixel. That phone is like the price. I, I can live with Xiaomi's weird software all day long for Same. 290 bucks, okay? Same. Yeah. Like, I, I can get past that. So, yeah, so these Oppo phones, Reno, the Reno series is really beautiful design phones. I really love those color gradients. Yeah, I'm really into them. That's why I had to mention them in the podcast topics. So that brings us to something that I think is related to CS. CS is not a phone show. Uh, we talked about what we expect. The big news is obviously going to be from OnePlus with that concept. What do you think we're going to see in terms of phones at CS, if anything else? If anything else, I think, unfortunately, we're going to see more phones without headphone jacks. I think we're going to see... <laughs> More phones with faster charging solutions, like you were saying, we might see a little preview of 20 watt, 30 watt wireless charging. So, you know, Xiaomi and Xiaomi and Huawei both have close to 30 watt wireless charging already, yeah, right? Yeah. That's, that's a given. Yeah, that's a given. But we still need more third party mats that can support multiple devices at once. So I think we'll see more of right. that as well. I think we're going to see more customer and consumer support. For wireless charging it'll be a lot easier to charge phones faster and charge more devices at the same time that's I at least one so. thing i'm hoping for yeah yeah that'd be cool uh in terms of like the reno 3 i think kind of previews something we're going to see a lot more i think we're going to see a lot more hole punch displays uh because they started last year in january in fact the uh honor or was actually it? can i ask you something let's settle this now what do you prefer the notch or the hole punch the hole punch. I prefer the hole punch. Yeah. So last year, um, Honor at CS launched a phone. I think it was uh, the V20 and had a hole punch. So hole punches aren't new. And and there were a few phones before that and just in the fall of 2018 that had hole punches. So, But I think we're going to see more of them at a lower price point this year. Like And the same way as we're seeing notches now in $150 phones, like a teardrop notches. Right. Uh, we've seen notches for years on cheap phones, but teardrop notches are really starting to be prevalent on like prepaid phones and stuff now. That's true. <laughs> which is why. So odd. I wouldn't be surprised that 2020 be the year of hole punches everywhere. And, and then for high ends, we're going to see that under display camera sensor for sure appear, at least on the BBK group. And I wouldn't be surprised if Xiaomi and like the Chinese phones, basically. I How don't do think we're going to see. How do feel about the in display fingerprint sensors? Because historically for me, those have all been bad. Well, I, f I feel that the Gen 3 optical, which we see on the OnePlus 7T and 7T Pro and 7 Pro are perfect. Like I've 
they're fast. I have, yeah, that I was pres- in my, I don't have defense, I don't have any issues. They feel like normal fingerprint readers to me. In my defense, that's the only one that I actually enjoyed. So the OnePlus versions, I tried. So a couple all of, of them ones. are like that now. Like yeah. the Reno Two has the same sensor. Nice. The Xiaomi phones have the same sensor. Synaptics like, makes it, doesn't it? I know it's not made by Synaptics. Well, some of them are, but I think there's another company. The one that partnered with Vivo at CS that year that mm. they launched, that they first showed it. I can't remember the name of the company. But here's the thing. The only company that uses a different technology is Samsung. They right. use it's Qualcomm's ultrasonic technology. Right. And Qualcomm has had issues with this technology. Yes, I, I mean, do I should say that. Sam, I should say Qualcomm. I should say Samsung, the only user of this technology, has had issues, as we know, with fingerprint sensors on the S10 and Note 10. But here's the thing. I played with... Qualcomm's next-gen ultrasonic fingerprint sensor in Maui. Okay. Uh, specifically, it covers an area that's like 70% larger or something. It basically like covers a, a good chunk of the bottom half of the phone. Nice. And you can basically just tap, you hold the phone with your thumb like anywhere on the bottom, almost anywhere in the bottom half. There's a large box and it just recognizes and it's much faster. So As it should I'm be. Not, I'm not knocking ultrasonic. I Honestly, look, I think that fingerprint... I've talked about this before. You probably heard me on the show. Mm. I think that the future is your entire phone is a fingerprint sensor and you pick it up and it picks up multiple fingerprints from different fingers. It recognizes them as you and it unlocks. Yeah. Combined with under display cameras that scan your face and get additional data. It's like, I think the future of unlocking and authenticating you on your phone is a composite of multiple sources of data that are partial. So a partial eye, a partial nose, a partial thumb, a partial... To create an identity on device. And it's like, I am 75% sure that was a part of Miriam's thumb, and I'm 100% sure that was Miriam's right eye. Right. Let's unlock. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That kind of thing. So I think Apple will be the first to do that right if if they do it. Um, But they've dropped the fingerprint sensor for now because... It does make sense to have a single location for the fingerprint sensor under the display. And I think that's my biggest gripe. Like, I still prefer a fingerprint sensor on the back of my phone because I can actually, like, you know, really have this this experience where I just put my hand in my pocket and I pull out the phone and And it's unlocked. unlocked. It was magic. I don't have to look like my screen. I just don't have to put my finger on the screen and be purposeful. And I think that's what Qualcomm is heading to with this. A big chunk of the display is a fingerprint reader thing. Well, the uh, about a third of the bottom of your display is fingerprint, yeah. which is, I think, much better because you'd be. I have to notice, though, to say that the version three of the optical sensor, you can be as much as two or three millimeters off on the center to really? still, still get a recognition. So it's pretty good. Okay, that's good. That's good for um, the average user. And that's what you have today on most Chinese phones, like including OnePlus and, 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 um, well, yeah, well, most Chinese phones. And so this is why I'm kind of vexed that the Pixel 4 does not have a, as a backup for backgrounds compatibility, a, you know, it just in a display fingerprint reader, it would have cost them very little to just add that feature because it's yeah. pretty commonplace now, and it would have given us some. some and they additional, had one of the best ones for the last. Generation. And they had one of the best ones in the back for sure. Yeah. So that's that's. I think we're going to see more larger in-display fingerprint sensors complemented by Face ID using cameras that are under display. Mm. Um, Speaking of the Pixel, what do you think of those Pixel Four A rumors? Well, you know, it's funny you're segueing into that um, because I'm very excited. I feel that, and I put that on the topic list that was just like, this is actually kind of one of the first things I want to talk about. But at the same time, I'm just like, 
you know, CS and, and, and the future of phones is usually what we talk about in the last show of the year or so. But uh, the, the 4A renders that leaked, um, or whatever rumors, are very exciting. I, I think it looks way better than the Pixel 4. It does. <laughs> it's like, it honestly it's like, does. It has a punch hold, hole punch uh, display. It has a little camera pod with a single camera on the back. So, you know, look, it's, if it's 300 to 400 bucks, like, like you know, it should be, I'm replacing the Pixel 3a. I don't care if it has a single camera on the back. Yeah. This looks like basically has a headphone jack, has a, a, um, a fingerprint reader in the back, has pretty large bezels, but they're, they're, they look a lot like the bezel in the iPhone 11. You know, they're yeah. a little thicker, but they're pretty uniform. Yeah. And the whole punch, I actually think aesthetically this thing looks better than any other Pixel ever made. I agree. And I would love to have it as my secondary phone. And I'm actually thinking that if, you know, hmm, I don't know, maybe I should just go to that phone as my main phone and call it a day, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm always going to carry another phone that's going to have mega crazy multi-cameras. And it's clear Google doesn't want to put more than two cameras on their phones right now. Yeah. So I, I, if they don't put a, th a third ultra-wide camera on the uh, on the Pixel 5 next year, I swear I am... I'm going to break that phone on camera yeah. on YouTube and <laughs> get some viral video going. Honestly, the Pixel was the first time in my 10 years of writing about technology that I felt like I could use an Android phone and like, this is it. And I could go to someone and say, this is the phone you should buy. And then the four came along. And then I started to feel a little bit like uneasy about it because it didn't well, feel I perfect. I felt like we're about the 2XL and the 3XL as well, to be honest. Like there, I, But not as much. Like I was like, it's still overwhelmingly a great phone, but there are a few n important niggling issues here. And I feel the 4, it's like these niggling issues have become real issues now. Yeah, like, they're becoming you know, glaring issues. Glaring issues, thank you. And then I, when I look at this, I'm like, this is really what a Pixel should be. If you're going to focus on software, Google, since clearly you don't know how to make freaking hardware, <laughs> to save your life in the in the flagship segment yeah. make this this is it this is what i want because last year the 3a well the 2019 3a was other than those ugly bezels for me a great phone it was a perf it was just perfectly fine yeah. like you know i felt like i wasn't missing out if this thing has six gigs of ram and has you know uh a price point that maybe is a little cheaper than 400 i felt 400 is a little high for that like i get it you get the google like software experience and i don't know if can't... i'm wrong here but i'm looking at these renders and it looks like a headphone jack well there's a headphone jack yeah absolutely oh that would be yeah. delightful and that's what i'm saying this is kind of almost a perfect phone because it has technologies that are quote-unquote antiquated like a rear fingerprint sensor and a single camera but i bet you that single camera is going to kick ass yeah and the back this back fingerprint reader we know works great and then the headphone jack everybody wants that so yeah. this is kind of like to me might just be the perfect phone for most people because why would you spend more like do you need more like if this phone came see this is what i think they should do if this is 350 which i think it should be cheaper like apple did when they went from the 10 10R to the 11. They yeah. dropped by $50. Yeah. If this is 350 instead of 400 and comes with a bit more RAM, I think this is the phone that most people are going to want as an Android phone, uh, See, especially in, in the Western markets. But if you bump this design up to, say, $500, right? Five, 550, 600 maybe. You got a dangerous Just basically phone on the, your one, hand. the OnePlus T price point. Yeah. Put a triple camera in the back. Whew. I'm done. 
That's yeah. all I need. That's all like, I need. I really don't need more. Like, give me three. Give me that with even the back fingerprint reader and the headphone jack. Put three cameras in the back. Make it 550, 600. Make it maybe a little bigger, the display or whatever. Yeah, Because like, yeah. like, this looks like a, maybe a, this might be like a 6.1 inch phone, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, yeah. This is definitely Don't forget the wireless the charging. Right Pixel got that pretty well. Well, this did not... The, the 3A didn't have it, and I don't expect the 4A to have it. Yeah, I don't expect the 4A to have it. But on this imaginary phone that we're off. talking about. Oh, yeah, this imaginary phone would have wireless charging and IP rating, of course. And it might lose the headphone jack for being a slightly more premium, and that's fine. That's fine, and, yeah. But if it doesn't have the fingerprint sensor in the back, it needs to have one under display in addition to what are Face ID stuff they're doing. Uh, but that Soli chip and that, like, if they do Face ID, obviously they need more than one hole punch. Maybe have two hole punches, one on each side. We've seen, I didn't put it in the show notes, but we saw a bunch of patents from Vivo go through where they showed two hole punches, left and right top, and then four hole punches, one in each corner. That's for like some kind of weird face ID system. Right. Um, like you remember the Fire Phone from Amazon, the terrible yeah. Fire Phone oh, had no. four cameras, one in each corner like that for the 3D that. effect thing. It was stupid. But maybe they were ahead of their time for once. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Um, so yeah, the Pixel 4a uh, is pretty cool. I, I think the if it looks like this, you know, I hate to say this, but unless unless there is a 5G phone with three lenses in the back that has a really good camera that tickles my fancy by then, uh, that is like, you know, pure Android. So it's got to be a OnePlus or or a Google phone of some kind. Yeah, I can't Unless something skins. comes along that is awesome, then I don't. See, I could see myself daily driving this for a while, to be completely honest, because this is going to be way better than the Pixel 4 uh, to me right now. Like, if you if Google were to give me this phone tomorrow, this 4A, the way we're seeing it there, I'd instantly turn that into my daily driver. Same. I would use that phone, drop my Google Pay on there, and just go about my day. Yeah. And be merry and happy. Yeah, very. <laughs> so, so you know, again, this shows what I was trying to say. is like we're going to start seeing that whole punch at the lower price points. And, um, yeah, I mean... Honestly, I think it would add some dignity to those lower price phones as well. Because totally. teardrops, honestly, I, I, I don't I associate don't like them. them. I don't like them. No, I don't. I don't like them. I just feel, just feel, look and feel cheap. Um Cheaper than well, the notch was pretty bad. I'm not a bad the fan notch of is notch. pretty bad, but the notch is always justified by the fact that there are sensors and you're doing something well, novel, yeah. probably maybe. Well, I mean, at least in in Apple's world, because yeah. there were a lot of cheap phones with notches this year that didn't have anything but a front facing camera and earpiece in there. Yeah, so. yeah, Oof. yeah. Um, and I'm not counting the proximity sensor and the light. No, yeah, that's basic stuff that's supposed to be there. But yeah, so I think for me, my other predictions about phones in 2020 is we're going to see more 5g and it because of like that dimensity 1000 from mediatek and from the and the snapdragon 765g and 765 we're going to see more integrated 5g phones at a much lower price point i think we're going to see i think a lot of people right now are kind of like wait and see about 5g and i actually think we're going to see a tide of 5g devices that are actually perfectly usable in North America because the networks are there. Like I have been testing T-Mobile's 5G low band. Yes, it's not mind-blowingly fast, but I get signal where I never got signal before. Yeah. Like it is so nice to be able to connect and get something somewhere 
Yeah, here in um, New York, we really only have Verizon's network in a couple of spots. And that's spotty. millimeter. That's not. That's you yeah. can't. Millimeter is yeah. not it. Yeah. I'm just saying that the combination of AT and T and and T-Mobile, particularly, rolling out these massive uh, low band, uh, you know, territories of 5G, combined with affordable 5G phones, um, and and readily available, you know, subsidized flagship ish. Like like the OnePlus phones, yeah, uh, mid high range 5G phones. phones is gonna really make 5G a thing in North America for the average customer, especially in the US. I think we're gonna see. I wouldn't be surprised if the average person buys a 5G phone by the by end of next year, Christmas next year. Yeah, and I'm talking about anybody who's due to renew a contract this year. And the reason for that too is I think the iPhones are gonna be 5G next year. You think? I, I feel like they yeah, might just offer one model that's 5G. No, I think that, yeah, I think the 12 is not, but I think that the Pro is going to be 5G. Mm, yeah, Only okay, that's 5G. a good way of looking at it. And and that means a lot of people are going to buy 5G phones from Apple, and that's nothing to sneer at. And it might even be that the 12 has a 5G version on some networks. Like, they might do a 12 that has 4G only that is sold to the prepaid carriers, you know? Yeah. Because a lot of people don't know this, but I Apple sells. You know, Apple. You can you can walk into like I, I don't know if this is fact, but I assume you can walk into a Cricket store and buy an iPhone on Cricket. Oh yeah, their iPhone XRs are probably one of the most popular lore. Yeah, and iPhone. so maybe that's maybe I think you just hit the nail on the head. Maybe that's the point, Stefan. Maybe you can buy an iPhone 11 next year at that, Cricket. That would be on something. sale, and that's the 4G phone, and the 12 is the 5G phone. Ah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. In the same way as you can still buy a 10R today on Apple's website. That's fair. That's fair, not right? a bad way of going about hmm, things. You like that, right? Because the 11 is still a solid phone. Yeah, it's still a great phone. Like, I mean, so two, it's still two cameras, a great phone in six months. Same so, processor. Yeah. 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 So I think that's what we're going to see a lot of 5G. A lot of 5G, a lot of in, in dis, some in-display cameras for under-display cameras for the flagships, a lot of hole punches. And some folding phones, hopefully, that don't completely fall on their, on themselves. Right. And then we're gonna see uh, something has got to have to happen with Huawei. So I want to talk a little bit about Samsung and Huawei, the the epic battle of the two big players uh, that are other than Apple, of course. Apple Take it is away. A big player too. But yeah, I want to see what happens to Huawei in general. Like uh, there was some news uh, about Huawei. Uh, their Huawei mobile services, which are basically a drop-in replacement for Google mobile services, yeah. uh, to, that are apparently uh, being beta tested now and available for beta testing on the Mate 30 Pro. And apparently uh, Huawei is shopping really hard with developers in India and is shopping really hard with developers in South Africa and other markets, um, South America, etc., for supporting the HMS. And so they're going forward with this alternative to Google mobile services, you know, because they kind of have to, I guess. But yeah. it's interesting that they're trying to get developers in countries where Google is not well established as a services company, but where if you are the average user, you'd be missing out if you didn't have GMS because like say Uber or Lyft or uh, whatever it is, you know, app that's not a Google app requires Google mobile services to work properly, like a lot of the apps that use mapping. Yeah. Right? Right. Like, I, I, I learned this the hard way when I tried the 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 Honor 9X Pro uh, without GMS that Netflix doesn't run without GMS. 
that you're kidding uh, that uber doesn't run without gms uber is understandable um, but netflix like there's is a, a lot and it's not just google apps there's a whole ecosystem of apps that you, everybody takes for granted every day that just doesn't run without gms so hms kind of replaces that and they're working with these developers to integrate Basically, when the app starts, it checks. Does it have GMS installed? Does it have HMS installed? And if it doesn't have GMS and it has HMS, it goes to HMS, right? Right. So now it gets its map data from Huawei's map system rather than Google's. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. That's kind of the goal here. Like, my understanding, I've, I read up a little bit on this yesterday when I was putting together the show notes for us, Stefan. And my understanding of HMS, it's not, like, you can't just run Gmail all of a sudden because you have HMS installed on your phone. Okay. It, just, it still doesn't work. Because, like, how would it, right? Like, right. there's encryption and proprietary so it's essentially protocols, a certificate right? signed by Google. What it is, is HMS is basically the services that Google provide, like mapping, email, notification, things like that. Like, you know, there's a whole notification service as part of GMS. If you get a notification on your Android phone, usually it's because the developer pinged the Google servers with a notification and it pops up on your Android phone. It's the same with an iPhone. That is true. Right? You don't, the app doesn't, if, if every single app had to pull their own service for notification, can you imagine your battery life? Like, that's the whole point of these services. Right. So now if you don't have access to this anymore, you need some replacement. And that's what HMS is about. It's It doesn't suddenly let you date, take and Google APK and run it on a non-GMS device. But it does is if a developer supports it, gives you a replacement set of APIs for the APIs you're missing when you lose GMS. Right, and this would be a great strategy if you can contact markets that don't benefit from yeah, Google services. Yeah, and so India develop, you know, developers in India are very prolific. Uh, we get a lot of our code outsourced in India today in the world true. of tech. And so these people are super talented and super fast, and I, I think this could be an interesting thing. And, and I didn't quote the article because I didn't feel it was super relevant, but Oppo has insinuated that they are also working closely with uh, with Indian developers uh, to bypass the need for GMS. Um, so I think the Chinese phone manufacturers in general are kind of like working on creating a parallel universe in the same way as right now there is a parallel universe of OSs in China, in mainland China. Like if you buy an Oppo or a Vivo or, or Huawei or Honor phone in China, it doesn't have GMS. It doesn't support Google services at all. Yeah. It's an Android phone, though. It runs Android. You can install some APKs, like Instagram will run, because I don't think it uses GMS. Um, but my point is that most users there have an alternative to that. Like they use, you know, Weibo services and Baidu and whatever other Chinese large, uh, you know, the TV yeah. for Netflix replacement, etc. right? Right. So my point is that in a world like that, um, you can live with Android without really ever experiencing the Google version of Android. Yeah. And in our in our world, right here in North America and in Europe, we are, at least for a lot of us, I think Europeans are a lot more flexible. There's not as many Europeans have invested in using the, the Google suite of services. Yes. But for us, like you and me, right? We're kind of Super obsessed reliant. with... Yeah, we're obsessed with Google. Um, so uh, we're using it all the time. For me, I run my business on Google uh, apps. So... Basically, we are at the point where we experience Android in a very different way because of it. And so imagine India now. They don't have the, they don't necessarily use Gmail and all the, but they have phones with GMS. So they're used to the GMS experience without really using Google. So I think what's happening here is these developers, I mean, these companies are pushing these developers to become more independent in the way they code their apps. So they're less dependent on Google. 
uh, and Google GMS, the, the mobile services. And I think that's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. We might see even more, basically, a fracture of the Android ecosystem because of it. Which I think is a little sad, but also hilarious, considering what Google's initial strategy was. It's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, an open so, handset alliance that now is essentially looking to govern itself. Right, exactly. I don't know. I think that, you know... I've given up on on one one Android. That's Same. for sure. It's, I, it, it's a long time pix, now. I've had four Pixel generations. If it couldn't happen, then it's not going to happen. And I think the the current political climate is like this is never going to happen. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, help. It, it's it's going to get worse and worse. It's going to fragment more and more. I think. So the big phones next year, obviously, are going to be the Galaxy S eleven or S twenty or S twenty, which is one of the rumors this week. Is that, uh is that Samsung might do what Huawei did with the P series last year, where instead of going from P10 to P11, well, two years ago, instead of going from P10 to P11, they went from P10 to P20, and then they did Mate 10 to Mate 20. And now we're at P30 and Mate 30 and P40 coming soon. So Samsung might just go S20. And I think I think I see that happening. The other tie-in here is that it's 2020, yeah. right? So it makes sense to have. And also it it dis, it decouples them from Apple's naming scheme, right? Finally. But what 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 if I guess oh you're right. I was going to say <laughs> I'm thinking out loud. I was like what if Apple decides to not do 11? Well, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> so so they're going to have to follow through. So I think totally, I can totally see the Galaxy S11. That's, that's what we've been calling it so far, being called the S20. So I'm pretty confident about that rumor being true. And so from here on out, folks, I'm going to call the flagship from Samsung, that's not the Note, the Galaxy S20. I like that. I'm going to hedge my bets. So the Galaxy S20, there are more rumors and leaks about it. Um, I didn't cover them last week as much, although they were already out there because they weren't really good illustrations. But I've put a Slashkey article in the show notes that shows what that Galaxy S20 might look like, um, specifically the non-plus and the regular plus. I am not a fan of that camera module. Neither am I, but I'm a fan of what I'm seeing that you know Samsung's finally... Um, updating its imaging system that in terms awesome. of hardware. Like yeah. their software has been solid, but their telephoto module has been l- like long in the tooth for a really long time now. Yeah. It's been pretty bad. Um, so we're looking at a periscope zoom of some kind. So yeah. maybe three or five times optical. Yeah. Um, we're looking at five or four cameras, four cameras at least, like uh, ultra wide, regular uh, periscope telephoto. Yeah. And then we're looking at a... Um, a depth sensor of some kind. Yeah, well, the 360, I think, might be because they use the front and the rear camera together to record 360. Okay. Like, you can't have a single lens in the back that's a 360 yeah, camera. Yeah, it just be You have to composite it, right? You know how it is. Yeah. So when they say 360, I think that's a software feature where it uses the front cam and the rear cam and creates a 360 sphere. Get right, it done. Yeah. Um, and, of course, we know we're seeing uh, hole punches for the S series now. Instead Those can of stay. I like them. Note. And we might, you never know, we might, I mean, it looks like both of them are hole punches. But again, these are very much rumors. These could be some, you know, very smart person in a basement rendering yeah. this for, yeah. you know, yeah, for fun likely. and then just putting it out there. So, you know, be, hold this with a grain of salt, all of you all. And then there, there's also some P40 leaks. And, and this is, again, the second set of P40 leaks. But the first set was like, I didn't include it because I was like, meh, that doesn't really look that exciting. 
Um, this looks like hole punches as well. Large camera rectangle array with five of them on the Pro. P40 Pro would have five cameras. We don't know what they are. There's definitely a, teles a periscopic uh, periscope uh, zoom, a massive main camera. You know what I and, will um, say? I do like the arrangement of the sensor. I like the arrangement better than, than Samsung. And I think it's also, I like the fact that it's a taller, thinner rectangle. Yeah. But what I was going to say is that if this phone, based on the Mate 30 Pro, which has the best ultra-wide camera today, uh, it's a 40 megapixel uh, RYYB sensor, like the same sensor that's in the main camera, right? So if they do the same on the P40 by giving us an incredibly good ultrawide and then they improve on the, the periscope uh, of the P30, and then it looks like they have a fourth sensor that might be maybe a mono, I'm, I'm hoping a monochrome, like they did with the P20. Right. Because I, I was teasing them about that uh, when the P30 came out in Paris. I was talking to the to Peter Gowden and the guys who uh, are kind of behind the product at, at Huawei. Right. And I said, hey, you know, what would be cool is combine what you did with the, the P30 with the P20. Like where you had a monochrome lens, you replaced that with an ultra wide. Why don't you give us a monochrome back? <laughs> for low light and dynamic range. Yeah. And then there's also a depth sensor. So it's five in the back on the P40 Pro, what it looks like. And these, again, are renders. So take it with a grain of salt. Who knows? Somebody could have whipped them together. But I'm kind of buying it. The other rumor on the P40 is that the screen is going to be waterfalling on the left, right, and the top and bottom as well. Hmm. That's... So the corners are going to be hard, like, but... And when I say hard, I mean metal. Yeah, yeah. And when I say soft, I mean glass. Yeah. Because soft glasses and soft is just brittle. But the point is that the corners are going to be hard, and then the top and bottom edges and left and right edges are going to be soft, like you're going to be glass. Uh, that obviously is the next logical step, right? Because Samsung gave us left and right edges, yeah. waterfalls forever now, and everybody else is doing it. Right. And it got really extreme with the Mate 30 Pro, by the way. It's almost half the display oh, yeah. waterfalling down yeah. now. Oh, sorry, half of the edge is display. So I'm not sure We've I like that. So I'm not far a, I, since the S7 Edge, haven't we? I know. I mean, I prefer I prefer flat screens like that are not waterfall. But look, I'll I'll deal. Knowing how good the P40 is going to be at photography, I'll deal with it. Okay. Yeah. Of course, this phone won't have GMS uh, unless things something get resolved with the politics. I doubt that's going to happen anytime yeah. soon. Now. Yeah. So that's it, folks. That, uh, that's kind of what we saw in terms of Galaxy S20 and P40 leaks. And that has nothing to do with CS because none of this is going to be announced at CS. But it does have something to do with our predictions for 2020 because both have hole punch displays, uh, multiple holes on the, uh, like multiple front cameras on the P40 for sure. Uh, like in very similar to the, the S10 uh, in this that oval-shaped uh, cutout. Cut out. Um, yeah, so, you know, we should probably wrap up soon, but I kind of want to know, we talked about phones a lot and about our prediction for 2020. I don't really have any outlandish predictions for 2020 other than the obvious stuff, like more folding, more 5G, more hole punch, some under display camera. We're going to see some bigger fingerprint sensors in displays. We're going to see thinner phones. We're yeah. going to see 5G you phones. Know, big, bigger screens. Yeah. Big, even bigger screens. Even bigger screens. I don't know how, yeah, but absolutely, even bigger. But we're definitely going to happen. Less headphone jacks, for sure. Uh, All of that. Let's pour but one out But I think for, for CS, jacks. like you covered laptop extensively on your own blog. Like what, like lap, it's a big laptop show. What do we, you think very briefly before we wrap up, we're going to see a CS in terms of laptops. I think maybe we'll see the new RTX super graphics cards make their way to mm -hmm. desktops. I mean, to laptops. That may be a little bit of a stretch, but... In the short span of a year, we went from GTX 
GPUs on laptops that couldn't really push games past 1440 to laptops that can handle 4K and play games at ultra settings just like that in the span of a generation at around at the same price points as well from the two to three thousand range. At, so those yeah. would be very high end laptops. Um, and then now we're starting to see that trickle down. Like you can buy an RTX 2060 equipped laptop and genuinely be able to play any game at high settings. At least that's at, exciting, at, which right? is great because that was not the case years ago. Years ago, if you wanted to max out a game on a laptop, you would have to go for the best and most expensive version of it. Now that's not the case. Now you can really just buy a gaming laptop and expect it to play games. Yeah, that's cool. I'm looking forward to more of the ultra light, ultra thin because I'm not as much of a gamer. And obviously I like to, as a journalist, have to travel light. And I travel so much. Um, I'm hoping that this year I'm going to replace my MacBook 12 inch with an ARM-based MacBook that's really small and thin and light. <laughs> um, and I know it's going to, I know it's going to be a little painful because there's going to be some emulation required for some stuff. And they did that transition very well when they went from PowerPC to Intel. So I actually trust uh, Apple to do it very well in the same way as they did their transition from fingerprint to face ID very well on the iPhone 10. And as we saw, Google did that very poorly with the, uh, the uh, Pixel 4. Yeah. And, and of course, Microsoft's not doing that great with their transition from Intel to ARM on Windows 10 uh, with the Qualcomm-based uh, laptops, unfortunately, because the developers are just not recompiling their apps. Like, where is Adobe for 64-bit? I've been saying this forever. Nowhere to uh, 64-bit ARM. Uh, but, but my point is, hopefully, uh, that's why I'm going to get myself. But I'm looking... I've, I've, you know, I'm I'm not going to tell you because it's under embargo. But I've seen some things from HP that I'm excited about. Okay. Um, and and I've seen some things from Dell that I'm excited about. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more thin light uh, laptops, not just necessarily ARM based, but also Intel based with 4G and 5G connectivity. Mm, finally, uh, I think 5G is going to be really big at CS this year, and 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 I think rightfully so for what I said earlier. I think that once people wrap their heads around the fact that 5G isn't just millimeter wave, it gives you two or three mega, uh, gigabit speed on like a one city block size, right. uh, that it actually includes mid-band, which Sprint is doing, and includes low-band, which AT&T and, and, and Timo are doing, right. and, and gives you coverage at really decent speeds in areas where LTE struggled before. Right. That is going to be the defining point. And I think then you'll want to have a laptop with 5G because it means you can be pretty much on a bus, like you're yeah. commuting. Um, and just actually and working. Just continue working completely seamlessly. That has been my ultimate dream, honestly, beyond smartwatches and Internet of Things. Just a laptop with a cellular connection that was reliable and that wasn't a Chromebook Pixel. I don't know if you remember exactly. that. Oh, I, I remember that. And and so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, hopefully some more Chromebooks. Uh, you know, I like the, my Chromebooks. I like to have some variety in choices. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to 5G light, high, long battery life, thin Windows-based laptops that, you know, if Apple does not make an ARM-based MacBook and I replace, I need to replace my MacBook at some point very soon because it is getting a little old, yeah. um, that I have other options. Um, so I, I'm... Uh, discuss this, I think, with one of my guests recently that I think it was last week, potentially, uh, where I'd like to see Microsoft do a folding, like a, a convertible surface okay. laptop. So not not, not you a know, pro, the keyboard, right. not like a tablet with a keyboard that clunks onto it. A clamshell. 
but like a clamshell, like a bigger version of that that Android phone that they showed, you know? Oh yeah. The whatever it was, the Surface Duo, right. the Surface whatever it was. Imagine like a, the size of like an, a, a very thin and light 13 inch Surface laptop, but where the screen can fold into a tablet. With like a U series processor. If Microsoft does this, oh man, I am so all over that. Yeah. Because to me, I cannot live without with a keyboard that's detachable. I need to be able to use this on my lap and with a really good keyboard and, and, and trackpad experience. Now, the keyboard and track experience on the Surface, uh, the, the, the fabric keyboards that attach to the Surface tablets is really good, yeah. but it's still too flexy for yeah, me. It's like, still too I, flexy. I, I it feel doesn't work like, on you know, lap. Yeah, and it doesn't work on a lap. So um, now Microsoft is not going to be at CS, so I don't think we're going to see anything there. But um, I mean, Lenovo might have something or two as well. I, I, I hear rumors of some cool 5G stuff from Lenovo, but... You know, obviously there is because they announced that they're going to do a 5G Qualcomm-based laptop. It's Computex last year. Yeah. Like I was there for that. So I think you're excited about the gaming laptop. I am too. And I think it's very valid. We're going to see a lot of act- laptop activity at CS. It's always a laptop show in many ways. It's also a TV show. We're going to see that, but that's not really my domain. Mm. I want to see more OLEDs, more OLEDs. I love I OLEDs. I want to see more rolling TVs. Oh, yes. TVs. I want to see 8K TVs. Oh, for uh, content that we don't have. It's crazy, yeah, but whatever. Like, you know, that's the next logical step. Like, if they can make an 8K TV that's affordable, it's going to be the standard in two or three years. Everybody's going to have 8K TV. And then <laughs> the content, well, maybe it'll follow. Either that or you'll upscale 4K to 8K and yeah. it'll look incredible. I mean, yeah, that's how <laughs> tech moves. We just got to keep moving forward, even if it As hurts. an aside, have you seen that Wham! video uh, remastered in 4K? Ah. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do not, but I would like to take a look Um, at it after this call. So just in case you don't know, Wham! is a band from the 80s, and they had made a song in early 80s called Last Christmas, which is like a very Christmassy holiday song that everybody like kind of knows and likes. I, I mean, I don't think it's my kind of music, but it exists it gets played in like department stores in the holidays. <laughs> right. And of course, you know, back then they shot a music video because MTV was just starting out. Right. But here's the kicker. They didn't shoot the video on, on video, like at 480p crappy analog video. They shot it on film. That's interesting. So Sony, and, and this is true of a lot of content back then. A lot of content was shot on film and then transferred to video. Sony has the archives for this and they transferred the film archives to 4K glorious the song is called last christmas it's by wham w-h-a-m for those of you who are young enough who don't know that band that's the band that george michael was fronting and eventually he went solo um watch it because it'll blow your freaking mind how good a film transfer looks to 4k from another in 4k (laughs) from the 80s and because like the outfits the hairdos it all looks like a recreation with actors because it's so sharp and clean and the colors are so good and you're like i cannot resolve the quality the technical quality of the of the the video with the weird old vibe of the of the actual you know video right, right? because right. it is the original it looks it's like a insane. recreation but it's not it's an original correct um and that tells you that you know maybe maybe this 4k upscaling to 8k thing might not be a bad thing. Like, you know, we'll see what we'll see what happens with TV. Literally lots of TV news, more rolling OLED TVs, and I'm sure more fridges with displays. Oh god. <laughs> I always go to the LG press conference because I have a good relationship with these folks and I, I just want to be there to, you know, kind of be there and uh, say hi to all the people I know in the in the in the Korean company and <laughs> 
And every time, though, I roll my eyes because it's like, oh, I'm a washing machine now. The door, you know, has a screen on it. Yeah. And if you push a button, you can see your laundry on the screen. I can call an screen. Uber from my freezer. That's right. Why wouldn't you? Ah, jeez. All right, Stefan, we should wrap it up. What is the places on the internet that people can find you, your handles and social media and blogs and whatever? Well, you can find me on Twitter as at Stefan Etienne. That would be S-T-E-F-A-N-E-T-I-E-N-N-E. You can also find some of my old works at TechCrunch and at The Verge. And I would say just keep it posted to my Twitter because I have some announcements in the coming weeks about where I'll be next. So... This is exciting. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> and you know where to find me, folks, on the internet. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Uh, like the comic book character without the vowels. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that handle. The Twitter is where you want to interact with me about the show. If you have comments, you want to yell at me or congratulate me or say hello, even say hello. You can just say hello on Twitter. Do it. But be nice. And then, uh, yeah. And then Instagram is where you'll find pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones because I like photography a lot. And then um, there's a YouTube channel that goes with the show. Just go to youtube.com and type Mobile Tech Podcast in the search bar. The YouTube channel has a bunch of unboxings and hands-ons and there'll be a lot of content from CS on there. So Stay tuned to that. I also have some podcasts at CS. Try to keep you up to date as the week goes. So stay tuned for that. The unified branding. I love to see it. Yes. Uh, the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com naturally. If you want to subscribe, there's an old school RSS feed there. But here, here's the reality. You can just go to any podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, you know, and, and others. And you should be able to type Mobile Tech Podcast or maybe my handle, Tank Girl, and then find me there and subscribe. And if you do, on, on some of these platforms, you can leave, like, you know, reviews and, and, and rate me. Like, please do, rate the show. Like, help us out. It really helps to have a good rating. So the other thing I want to do is thank our sponsor, Audible.com. Audible has been a sponsor of the show for a really long time, and we really couldn't do it without them. So if you want to support the podcast, consider uh, joining Audible. I'm going to give you a link. It's in the show notes as well. It's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. So here's the deal. If you're not a customer, you can get 30-day free trial, no strings attached. You don't have, you can cancel if you want, but you get to keep one of the books you download. And more importantly, when you do this, uh, click through this link, you support the show. It helps us out. So consider that. Uh, I love Audible. If you like reading, but you maybe are too busy to read, you want to listen to a book instead, they're a really good solution for that. And like road trips, airplanes, that kind of stuff, it's really good for this. Uh, you can also get a lot of the books read by the authors, which really gives you that extra special flavor. So check it out, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. It's in the show notes. And I want to thank Audible for being our longtime sponsor. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah. Happy New Year to everyone. Stefan, thanks for being on. Really appreciate it. We'll have you on again. Thank you so much, Miriam. Have a great day. And that's it, folks. I'll be back next week from CES uh, in 2020 uh, with another show or maybe two. So stay tuned for that, everybody. And until then, cheers. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com